Thanks for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Borg. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Get out your Bible if you brought it along with you today. Go with me over to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you've got a Bible app, get that fired up. Got an iPad, open it up, get ready to go, get your notes out. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Today, I want to continue with what we've been uh, sharing with you the last two weeks. Finding Frank. Anybody found Frank yet? A few of you have found him. Good for you. Frank is found. A w- woman came up to me on, on Wednesday night after the service, shared with me that uh, just prior to the service, being at, at work, uh, that someone, had, someone died right there at work. And uh, a young person, she thought they couldn't have been over 30 years old. And just a sudden death situation and very tragic obviously when anyone passes away that early that that young in life and uh, of course she was quite moved by that and quite you know emotionally moved as as many times uh, people are uh, but this these kind of things can bring to us uh, a sense of reality because how many know life and death really are on the line every day and, uh, and people are passing away, and some, you know, at a ripe old age, thank God for that, and, and others too soon. But nevertheless, people are leaving planet Earth right and left. And, uh, and we, 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 should be, uh, we should be aware of that. Um, uh, I find myself very often being mindful when I look, um, when I meet certain individuals. I don't mean every time, but often when I see individuals, I think about I think about where are they going when they die? Are they ready to meet the Lord? And, uh, and I, I sometimes even when I watch a movie and someone dies, I think, I think that. <laughs> you ever find that? You know, I see so, even when the bad guy dies. <laughs> and I, it's not even real. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm thinking about eternity. I'm mindful of forever. I think that's a good thing for us, though. I think too many people in life are not mindful of. They're, they're not aware of eternity and, and, the, and what's at stake in all of our lives if we accept or reject the Lord. And uh, amen. <laughs> and so I want to talk to you some more uh, about Frank. You know, uh, with, with people that we know at times passing away, sometimes, um, you know, in one sense it's a negative, but another real sense it's a very positive uh, you know, in fact, I was asked to do a funeral a couple months ago, and the woman who passed away uh, knew she knew it was coming, and so she had made arrangements with me, and she had talked to me multiple times about doing it, and and uh, and she and one of the things she said, she said, "I want you to do that altar call that you do at church at my at my funeral." And uh, and she was she had been very influential, winning people to the Lord throughout her life. When I did the service, there was quite a few people that she had influenced and touched and came into relationship with God because of her. And so I thought, I'm set up. Here we go. Uh, I did, and, and I, I preached, and I counted, and I counted to three and clapped my hands together. And in this service, there were 20, 30 people got born again. 
in, at, at, the, at the funeral. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I don't know if some of the family are, are even in this, this, this service here today, but it was a powerful time. One of them, you know, I think I may have told you, one of, them, one of the people very high up in politics, atheist, named their child Darwin. Yeah. And came to a funeral and gave their life and bowed their knee to Jesus. And uh, I tell you, God's on the move doing good things. And uh, so let's get back to Frank. <laughs> you remember, uh, we read to you the last couple weeks from the, from the book of John. And w- without going through those scriptures again, you might recall that it says Andrew, after he was found, Andrew found Peter. And Peter then found Philip. And then Philip found Nathaniel. And we see that all within a few verses. And it's, it was a pattern. That when someone met the Lord, their immediate response was to find someone else. And so our job in our day is to continue the finding process. Yeah? Let's keep it going so it doesn't end with us. Because if you're a believer, thank God someone shared with you. Someone found you. Someone gave you the good news. And so we're going to keep that going. And, uh, and we're going to keep looking for Frank. If you're uncertain, we've, I don't want to rush over that. Frank is... The acronym for friends and relatives and associates, neighbors and kids, okay? We're looking for him, all right? And he is out there, and Frankie, she's out there. And uh, where is she? Uh, she lives next to you. She, uh, she works in your office. You know, he's at the gym. Uh, he might be in your family. Uh, he's, they're all over the place. Frank is out there and needing us uh, needing some attention by us. And our job basically be, being to keep this process going, to not let it stop with our lives. And uh, one of the worst things we can do in a day of good news is to be silent. And, and it's what the enemy wants us to do. Okay, he couldn't stop you from getting saved. You made Jesus the Lord of your life, but now he wants you to keep your little Christianity to yourself. Uh, he wants you to keep what you believe all to yourself and don't tell anyone about it. Uh, I resist. Hmm. I refuse. I'm going to tell people. There's too much at stake. All right? We have to. And this is a day of rejoicing. This is a day of good news. But people have to hear the good news in order to believe. And you cannot be saved unless you believe. And so uh, we're not going to be silent, but we're going to keep this ball rolling. Amen. Now, would we, could we all agree that it, there is a problem if Christians remain silent? Could we all, th- that this is a mass scale problem. If Christians around our city, just for example, our valley, if all of us kept quiet and we didn't let anybody know anything good that God had done, and if, would that be a problem? It is. It's totally rude. All right, it's not kind at all. I'm not showing any respect for any other person by keeping my mouth closed regarding what I know. It would be honoring. It would be love to let them know, uh, uh, to let them know what's going on. So So I don't know. What do we need? Do we need motivation? Do we just need more information? Um, I, I tell you, there is something working right now in the heart of every believer. And it's in that verse. I told you to find 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to notice with me over here in verse 14. Verse 14. 
It, it reads, for the love of Christ compels us. What does it do? Compels us. Now, if you've been born again, if you've received Jesus, then God's love has been poured out in your heart. Okay? There is a well a source, a spring of love in you. What does it do? It compels you to do things. It'll move you to get outside of your own life, being self-mindful uh, and just all about me. It'll move you to do something else for another person. The love of Christ, what does it do? Compels us. Everybody say this out loud with me. Say, the love of Christ is in me now, and it compels me. Yeah, so why do you do that stuff? Why do you give your money? Why do you help people? Why do you go out of your way for other individuals? It's, I can't help it. There's something in me that compels me to do it. It's, it's urging me to act. And I tell you, life gets better and better the more we yield to that compelling love inside of us. He goes on to say, because we judge thus... That if one died for all, then all died. That makes sense. That's just logical. You can't, if one died for all, then they had to have been dead. Otherwise, you wouldn't die for all of them. You would only die for the die, dead ones, right? But everybody died. So all have sinned. You know, the scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone's dead. But Jesus died for how many? For all, not just a select few. Say, well, God's just picking a few here and there out to be saved, and the rest are, the rest be damned. No, He wants everybody. Jesus died for one hundred percent of everyone. All right, going on, verse fifteen, and and He died for all that those who live, who who would be those who live, that would be those who are spiritually alive. You've been born again. What it says should no longer live for themselves. Okay, say, what do I do? I'm saved now. I've received the Lord. What do I do now? You should stop living for yourself. That's the, that's the fleshly, selfish, human way of life. It's all about me. It's all about what I need, what I want, what I feel like. And, and too many people live that way. But when you get saved, something happens. Something goes to work inside of you that says, it's about someone else. Someone else. There's another. I need to find him. I need to find her. I need to help. That we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So that's the motivation of our existence today. Amen. Paul was very moved by this. You know, if you know the story of the Apostle Paul, he went from pretty rough dude, very religious. Sometimes religious people are very mean. And, and he was standing there holding the coat when Peter was, was stoned to death. But Paul had an encounter with Jesus and I tell you, that love got in him, big time. He made this statement that still confounds me to this day. I've read it for many, many years, for decades. In, in Romans chapter 9, look what he said over here, verse 1. I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Now, you might, if you were to stop right there, you might say, well, Paul, what's the deal, man? You need to stir it up and get in faith. Why do you have such sorrow? He, it doesn't mean that he was a sorry person or he, he didn't have joy or he was depressed, but he qualifies it. Says, this is what's going on. He said, for I could wish that, that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. 
In other words, this love was working in him so much, and he knew the reality of heaven and hell. He said, listen, if I had to be cut off from Christ, and that's such a huge statement. He said, if I, had to, if I could do that so my countrymen, the Jews, if they could be saved, he said, I'd do it. Ah, I don't know. Does that move you at all? This is not someone who doesn't know what that means. Eternity without God? And you would take that for someone else? That is nothing short of the love of God in action. It, it moved him. And you can see by all the things that he did, it, 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 he was serious about this because he put up with much for the sake of, I've got to get the message out. I've got to do whatever it takes. Now, all of us don't have that same calling that he had, but we do have part of it. We do, there's, there's a similarity there. And, and so he was willing to do that. Now, in Scripture, how many know, uh, if you study the Bible, you probably shouldn't just pick out your favorite verses and leave the rest out, right? I mean, we, we think, oh, yeah, we, I would never do that, really. <laughs> I mean, I, I, how many think we, we, should, we should be knowledgeable of the good and, I say this, you know, with context, and the bad, okay? Now, how many know if you receive the good news, God doesn't really have bad news for me. If you're saying, there's no bad news for you, but is there bad news in the Bible? Yeah, that's not the gospel. The gospel is good news. In fact, what I intended to share with you, I thought I'd share this week. I'm going to share with you next week, and I'm going to share with you the bad news today. Everybody ready? <laughs> now, it's not bad for you, for me, but it's something that we should be aware of, okay? We should be mindful that the Scripture is full of warnings. Do you know that? And so, for me to just, just learn the, the, the stuff that makes me smile I should also be aware of anything that's there just because it is. If it is, it is. Whether I read it or not, it still is. It's still reality. But sometimes, just like, I don't know, just like when someone passes away and we're, we're mindful of, of, of the brevity of life, uh, sometimes when we read scriptures and we're mindful of the, the dire outcome of for those who reject the Lord, it can serve to motivate us. It can serve to help, all right? And, and so what I wanted to do, there, there have been numerous people through, in modern times and through history, history, who have had visions and revelations of heaven and of hell and have seen different things that are very much described in the Bible. And it seems that these type of experiences with, with God are, are even on the increase in these last days. More people, like the book of Acts, are having visions and dreams. And, and we judge everything by the word. And not every time someone said, I saw this or I felt this or I had, I don't just embrace everything. You know what I'm talking about? We always judge it by the word. But at the same time, the scripture itself does speak about all these events. And so uh, I wanted to read, I was just going to read one, but I may even read two um, uh, different experiences from some different men of God in the past that have had these uh, experiences with him. And, uh, and so let me, let me read this first one to you. This is from, uh, from 1950 is when it happened. Uh, from uh, Kenneth E. Hagan had this experience. Back in those days, a lot of ministers were, were holding meetings. They were tent meetings. 
and healing meetings and that kind of stuff going on around our country. A lot of people were being touched by the power of God. But he was having one of these meetings one day. And, and I want to pick up what he said and then wrote about it uh, with this word right here. It reads this way. Come up hither, the voice said again. Then I looked and saw Jesus standing about where the top of the tent would be. I looked up, and again, the tent had disappeared. Every tent pole had disappeared, the pulpit had disappeared, and God permitted me to see into the spirit realm. Jesus was standing there, and I stood in his presence. He was holding a crown in his hands. The crown was so extraordinarily beautiful that human language cannot begin to describe it. Jesus told me, this is a soul winner's crown. He went on to say, my people are so careless and indifferent. This crown is for every one of my children. I speak and say, go speak to this one or pray for that one. But my people are too busy. They put it off, and souls are lost because they will not obey me. When Jesus said that, I wept before him. I knelt down and repented of my failures. Then Jesus said to me again, come up hither. It seemed as if we went uh, with him through the air until we came to a beautiful city. We did did not actually go into the city But we beheld it at close range as one might go up on a mountain and look down on a city in the valley. Its beauty was beyond words. Jesus said that the the people selfishly say they are ready for heaven. They talk about their mansions and the glories of heaven while many around them live in darkness and hopelessness. Jesus said I should share my hope with them and invite them. To come to heaven with me. Then Jesus turned uh, turned to me and said, Now let us go down to hell. We came back down out of heaven, and when we got to earth, we didn't stop but kept going. Numerous scriptures in the Bible refer to hell as being beneath us, and he quoted a few scriptures, Isaiah 14, 9 and 15, Isaiah 15, or 5 and verse 14, all these scriptures about hell being beneath us and so forth. He went on to say, we went down to hell, and as we went to that place, I saw what appeared to be human beings wrapped in flames. I said, Lord, this looks just like it did when I died and came to this place on April 22, 1933. You spoke and I came back up out of here. Then I then repented and prayed seeking your forgiveness and you saved me. Only now I feel so different. I am neither afraid nor horrified as I was then. Jesus told me, warn men and women about this place. I cried out with tears that I would. Wow. What did he say? Warn them about this. Well, would you look at with me over at the book of Colossians chapter 1? I want to give you this uh, verse, th- this passage over here in Colossians, so we can see um, that this language of both reward, of warning, of good news, but you have to receive the good news, is all a part of, uh, of Scripture and a part of what we are supposed to have in our 
our knowledge bank, our arsenal, our, our, our tools to help uh, minister to people. In, in Colossians um, chapter 1, and let me back up from there, Go, thinking again about this, this crown, this soul winner's crown. How many understand that what we're called to do and what we're, how we've phrased it, finding Frank, is so very important. It's so important to God. You can see why there would be great reward for those, who, uh, for those of us who will be used of him in this area, those of us who will take this serious. It's no big deal. We will be showing high regard and high respect, I guess for eternity, for those who were used of him to share the gospel with somebody else. A special reward and a special crown for those who will take it serious. And, 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 and so over here in Colossians chapter 1, notice verse 28. Paul writes here, him we preach. Now, who's him? Him, capital H, is Jesus. Him we preach. We preach Jesus. But this next phrase is kind of a little bit different. You would think, Jesus, yeah, run, shout, come on. But the next phrase isn't that. It's, it's warning every man. You preach Jesus warning everyone? Yes, because how many know there is a reward, there is life, and then there is also the serious nature of our physical existence that is so, so very temporary, and there is included in the message that we preach a warning. What do you mean a warning? A warning if we don't heed, a, morn, a warning if we don't follow, if we don't yield, if we don't believe. There is a warning. And how many know it's, it's not, warning, ice cream's coming. Um, I don't need a warning for that. Already ready. <laughs> right? Warning has to do with something negative. Warning has to do with something you better watch out. He goes on to say, and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. What's the goal? God wants to perfect everyone. When you get born again, your spirit is made perfect in an instant. Just like that, all sin and condemnation gone forever. El perfecto mundo, right? He wants to make everyone perfect in Christ. But you only, you're only perfect in Christ. Outside of Christ, not perfect. Anyone agree with that? I'm not, not, not perfect. But in Christ, oh yeah, it's looking good. Verse 29, to this end also... I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. So there is a work of God in him, but he said, Look, listen, you guys, I am working hard to do this. I am striving to this end. To do what? To warn everybody. To warn everyone. I know sometimes um, we might have an image or view of, of Jesus and think of his his earthly ministry, and think everything he said was positive. How many know the less you read the Bible, the more you think you know what's in there? And it's really scary when people who never read it get a microphone or they're put on television or, you know, ask questions and they start declaring, oh yeah, but Jesus, oh yeah, but, and they don't even know. If you read it, you'll find out that uh, of course, Jesus was a happy person and full of joy and victory and full of compassion and full of love and doing all this. But he also, everybody say also, 
warned people. Yeah, he also would get in the face of, of religious leaders. Sometimes they were mean. And he would be very serious. He also prophesied concerning things to come in the end. You know the, the day of the Lord? Have you ever read, read this? The, what we call the day of the Lord or the, the day of the Lord's return is called great and terrible. Yeah, not just great. Great and what? Terrible. Well, terrible. We get a terrible day coming? Not if you're in the family. No, it's happy day. But we should be aware of terrible. Why? To be afraid? No. Because some people need warned. And only love would do that. Only love would, would truly talk to someone. I don't mean you have to yell it like I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm preaching though. That doesn't count. <laughs> but, but you know that, that there needs to be a warning because of the serious nature. And, and so someone said, well, Jesus, all he talked about was love and acceptance. Not true. That person has not read the scripture. Jesus is love personified, and he would also set a standard and say, this is the way this works. And he said some very strong things, okay? We want to be mindful of all of it. Praise God. What would you do if you, uh, you know, were driving and you're out on a country road and, and, you know, we've had a lot of rain and you, sometimes you see these videos where, the, where roads get washed out, even paved roads. All of a sudden, they, they collapse, and, and, uh, and, and maybe it was a great gulf there, a great ravine, and, and you were able to catch it in time and stop. But then you got out of your car, and you thought, wow, that was, this is serious. But you saw another car coming, and, 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 and they didn't see it. What would you do? You know, what, what would you... Would you try to stop them? Would you, would you try to warn them? Would you, be, would you be mindful of what they might think of you? Ah, they're going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> they're going to think there's another one of those ditch fanatics. <laughs> they think everything's going into the ditch. And <laughs> they might label me and... and <laughs> they, just, they, they just don't approve of people who drive like me. And, no. I think what we would do, what would we do? We'd probably get right in the middle of the road and wave our arms and yell as loud as we possibly could. We would do whatever it takes. I mean, we would, why? Even if we had to drive them off the road and we think, wow, they might wreck their car, I'd be okay with that because at least they're not going to die, right? And when we are mindful of eternity, we're mindful of forever. There needs to be a similar urgency, Okay. Now, Paul said, we, we teach every man in all wisdom. So I recognize that the same method doesn't work with everyone, that people are in different stages of life, and there might be a better way, and there's my gift and my personality, and then there's their place. And so I, I need the wisdom of God. Remember, Proverbs said, he who wins souls is, is wise. It takes wisdom to win someone. So I'm just not going to go both barrels and just, you know. Uh, no, I need wisdom if I'm going to do this thing correctly. However, with whatever the method is, there needs to be in me urgency. Urgency that says, ah, this is so important. I can't let anything hold me back or keep me from doing this. Amen. Amen. You want another story? 
it's kind of heavy. Everybody up for it? All right. And then I say another story. It's another vision. Um, and uh, this, this particular one, I didn't know if I would read it, but I brought it along in case, and I gave it to the last service, so buckle up. <laughs> this, is, this is from a, a minister you might be familiar with. Um, his, his name is Lester Sumrall, okay, and he went to heaven a few years ago. Uh, Lester Sumrall had a huge, dynamic, wor- world-renowned, reaching, world, large-reach ministry uh, for the kingdom. He said, while, while we were having revival meetings in a schoolhouse in Tennessee, suddenly, with my eyes wide open, I didn't see him, this person. I, I didn't see the people. I saw the world. Before me, I saw the people of the entire world, people of every color, brightly dressed in their native costumes. I was impressed with how beautiful they were as they walked down a very long and side highway uh, leading away from me. I saw the Japanese in their colorful kimonos. I saw the Mongolians, rough, tough, and bearded. It was almost scary. I saw all different kinds of Chinese. Some were elegantly dressed. I saw South Sea Islanders, naked and mean. I saw people from South America, Africa, India, and Europe. I saw the world. It was real as my flesh. I saw people from every nation. Millions and millions of people were all walking on a highway. But they weren't walking. They stepped with a little trot. I watched them with interest. It was exciting. In my vision, God picked me up, and away I went over the top of the people to the end of the highway. I could look down. God said, that is the road of life. At the end of their highway was a raging, bottomless inferno. Flames leaped up out of what looked like a blazing volcano. The vast procession of people marched to the edge, then fell screaming into the eternal flames. As they neared the pit and saw their fate, they struggled in vain, trying to push back against the unrelenting march of those behind them. The great surging river of humanity swept them over into the abyss. Over the edge they went, a hundred thousand at a time, as they would go down into it screaming, yelling, crying, tearing their hair, scratching their faces, I lost my breath. God, 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 I gasped. I saw the world going to hell. God opened my ears to hear the screams of damned souls sinking into hell. As he brought me nearer, I could see men and women of all nations, their faces distorted with terror, their hands flailing wildly, clawing at the air. God spoke to me out of the chaos. You are responsible for those who are lost. Me, Lord? I protested. I do not know these people. I've never been to Japan or China or India. I'm not to blame. God's voice was tender, yet firm as he spoke again. When I say to the wicked, and this is a quote from Isaiah, when I say to the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. As I continued to stare, the people tried to back up, but the pressure from behind pushed them on, and into hell they would fall, catapulted into the air, screaming and crying. Uh, They had not thought about eternity until uh, they got there. Isn't that amazing? 
Suddenly I saw blood running through my fingers, the blood of nations is what he called it. And he went on, uh, uh, Lester Sumrall, to have a worldwide, world-renowned ministry that ministered to millions and millions of people. It's interesting, the motivation <laughs> to me. And, and he was saved, and he was right, but the Lord said, why, why, was, why was he saying, I'm requiring them at your hand? Because that's what his call was. The Lord's call was for him to go around the world and minister in nations. And, and, and because of that, he had to take it very, very seriously. And, uh, you know, I don't have an experience like this. Maybe you don't have any kind of, you know, huge experience like this. But what I do know is Frank lives next door. <laughs> what I do know is I work with him. and her. Well, I don't. Most people on my staff are saved, I think. Uh, <laughs> working on them. <laughs> <laughs> that's the drawback I have actually in ministry because you don't have that natural connection where most of you do have that advantage it's a real real advantage if you think about it in that way that God can use me here as a light as an example and when opportunity arises to speak and to share the love of God um, uh, you know maybe maybe your call isn't to go around the world and, and to reach nations and and maybe you can help send someone else to do that. Or, uh, but in the meantime, what is what is our call? What what, what can we do? What has he uh, what has he put in our hands to do? And, and I want to do the right thing, you know. I want to do the right thing with what what I have, with my call, with with the knowledge I have. You know things. Come on, if you've been around here for very long, you know some things about how good God is, how how His great love, and, and, and you know some things that will save people. Yeah. And uh, did, I, did I have you turn? I just have, I want to just finish up, but in Jude chapter 22, or not chapter, but verse 22 and, and 23, <laughs> it says chapter 22, but that doesn't exist. Uh, uh, it's verse 22 and 23. Look at this language. I want you to think about wisdom here. And on some have compassion. So shouldn't we have compassion on everybody? No, it, there's a distinction here. He said, making a distinction. Some have compassion. Some you are to approach a certain way, and, and, and your, your voice is one of, of compassion. He said, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. And if you read that passage, there were some false prophets and teachers, and, and people had some, some wrong motives. How many know everyone is different? And the way that we talk to one is not necessarily the way that we would talk to someone else. The gospel, the good news is the same, but some people, they need a little shaking. Sometimes you have to be a little more stern with some and say, listen, man, this is serious. This is serious business here. I, I recall uh, years ago uh, spending some time with a friend, and he wasn't a believer. I mean, he wasn't you know, necessarily intentionally fighting against God or anything like that, but he hadn't been born again. And I remember spending hours with him, hours into the early morning, just talking to him. And, and, and I could tell God was dealing with him. It was so cool. <laughs> and at one point he said, he said, he said, I know you're right, <laughs> but he didn't get saved. And, uh, and I thought for a long time, he was right there, right there on the edge. And, and, uh, you know, could I have pushed him over? And for a long time, I wished 
And I should have just, mm. you, some people, they just need a little nudge. They're just right there, right there. Others, they, they need whacked in the head. Come on. I mean, in, you know, I mean, in a love way, but I, you know what I mean? It, it, it literally, they need, come on, man, wake up. Come on, see this. This is the real deal. People will respond differently. But I, I, for so long, I, I thought, should I have pulled him? Should I have just nudged him, pushed him a little harder? I shared he knew, but he wasn't ready to commit. I should have made him. <laughs> Maybe. And I wasn't sure and, and still, aren't, still aren't sure to this day. Years later, I was, it was probably 20 more, some more years later, uh, I was with him again. And I talked to him. I said, man, you need to get saved. And we prayed right there in a parking lot, and he got born again. <laughs> and, uh, but I did. I, but I did. I, I thought for a, long, for a long time, maybe his life would have been so much better if I would have urged him. And I don't mean we're, t- we're not twisting arms. We're not forcing anyone. It needs to be their decision. But I tell you, some people out there, some people in your life, they really just need a little nudge, just a little bit. Just be a little assertive with them. Jesus, or Paul said, writing to Jude, he said, uh, some save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Some, it needs more of an aggressive. Paul, at times, he would speak to people and he'd reason with them. And others, he would even argue with. And some would be saved because they saw signs and wonders, and then they would, that would get their attention. Healings, and we do all that. And some need something very stern. And, and, and others, they, 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 they just need a different compelling. J- Jesus told this story about this great banquet. And he said, let's fill the house. And they invited all kinds of people, but they made excuses. I've got this to do and this to take care of. And they'd made excuses and they didn't come. And the, and the master of that, that house said, well, go out in the streets and get people, the blind, the lame, the poor, bring them in here. I want a full house. And they said, at one point, we did that. There's still empty spots. There's still some empty seats. And, Jesus, and, the, and the master said, well, you go out there and you compel them to come. It's in Luke 14, 23. He said, you compel them to come. And I, I wonder if you, if you might ever be moved. If you might find this happening in some of your relationships where not only is it just I'm sharing, but something in you says, I've got to push a little bit. I've got to compel them. I've got to talk to them with a seriousness in my tone that this is amazing, this is wonderful, this is powerful, but it is serious too. And listen, you, you need to act, you need to do this. I pray that the Lord would give you wisdom in what to do and when to do it, how to say it, and, and, and all that. Uh, but, I, but this is what I'm, I'm desiring, I believe the Lord wants us to have this, is that inside there's a compelling. I'm compelled by his love. I'm compelled to compel. Man, why are you pushing me? I have to. I love you too much. I mean, God loves me and his love is in me. I'm compelled to be a little bit strong with you. Huh? And how many people? I mean, listen, there are some... It's totally going to work. You pull out your phone. Hey, let me, t- let me tell you something. And bam. You are Johnny on the spot. You're invited. You know it's going to work with some people? Amen. They will come. They will give their life to Jesus just because you did that. Right. And others, they may not, but it didn't hurt. 
Others might need a little, mm, little nudging, little, 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 little compelling to get them uh, to come in. Praise God. Nevertheless, I know this is the case. How many understand this? Um, with all the individuals that we see around here, and we're going to do this in just a moment in finishing our service, with the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people every single year that come and receive the Lord as a part of this church, part of this ministry, some of you will recognize this. A good deal of them, I don't know how many, but a good portion of them come because I kind of hit them in the chest with it. I'm not just, oh, you want to receive Jesus? Huh? Good. Oh, no? Okay, see you later. But I try intentionally. I do it respectfully. I want to be respectful to people. I want to say, listen, this is on the line. Eternity's on the line. Okay? From there, your choice. But eternity's on the line. I want to make it real clear and say, okay, now choose. Say yes or no. Yay, nay. I'm in, I'm out. Choose. And many people put on the spot like that. They will say, I'm going for it. I'm giving my life to the Lord. And we see it again and again and again and again. I wonder how many people we come into contact with. They just need it plain. They just need it simple. They just need it to be clear. It is the responsibility of every found per pe person to find people. Let's take it. Say, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah, you can. You have a phone, man. <laughs> you have a little pouch. And we can all do something. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thank you.